For many people, January is a time for self-reflection and self-evaluation, especially after the pandemic when so many people resigned from their work positions to seek a more meaningful life direction. It's a time for reflection on our lives, our motivations, and our goals. It's a time to dream about what we want from life and the turns our life might take this year. But what if we can find someone to help us achieve those goals or even help us determine what our goals, we want, truly want our goals to be? This is Christian Curious, and I'm Dr. Haley Gray Scott. Each week, we tackle some of the hardest, most pressing questions facing Christians in the 21st century. So far this month, we've discussed the importance of goals and what to do if you find yourself already letting go of those New Year's resolutions. But today, I'm so excited to have Laura Flanders here to tell us how mentoring can help us achieve our goals. Laura is a board-certified executive leadership coach with Taproot Innovation. After spending nearly two decades leading a mentored learning curriculum in higher education, Laura is sought out as a consultant to organizations wanting to incorporate the use of self-selected mentoring and self-directed development plans in their professional and personal growth interests. Laura, welcome back to Christian Curious. Thanks, Haley. It's really good to be with you. Oh, it's so great to have you here. I know before, um, in the past, you've talked with us a little bit about the why behind mentoring, and Mm -hmm. I encourage anyone listening to the podcast to go back in and dive through and figure out and find the why uh, mentoring podcast. It was a great show. And um, so Laura, I'd like to open up by asking you to explain how you define mentoring. What is mentoring? Ooh, if if we had two hours, I'd love to tell you how I came to my definition. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It came through uh, my own exploration of, of watching uh, the school that I was teaching in, um, they had a wonderful mentoring culture. So I was wondering what, what created that mentoring culture. Um, so through that exploration, um, I came to a definition that I think has been very beneficial and useful to me in my own life as I seek to live a mentored life and to be a mentor to other people, but also um, a definition that has really freed up the people that I've worked with over the years, all mm-hmm. the clients and students that I've met. And what I what I do what I did back then was I looked at all these definitions of mentoring and it really confused me because there were so I mean they, the the list of definitions just doesn't stop it's just ongoing. But what I did was I examined a, a big slew of them and found three common things, okay. and I decided that we needed a baseline definition that we could all share no mattering no matter how how we've experienced mentoring or what form of mentoring we've had. And I found that the three things was that mentoring is about relationship. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, duh. Right. And I can even say that if I have a paper mentor, a mentor that I just primarily read from, mm-hmm. um, I've never met them for, for, um, in person, but mentoring is about, it's relational. It's also obviously about growth. Um, but the key to the def- key to what I found was that mentoring is a very intentional way of living. So my baseline definition of mentoring is that mentoring is a relational practice in which there is intentional pursuit towards growth and development, or you could say growth and transformation or growth and formation. Um, That's a baseline definition that if you, if you align all the different mentoring forms, and there's a lot of mentoring forms alongside that definition, they'll all fit. Right. Even if you have a Christian form of mentoring, a spiritual director, 
that form of mentoring fits into this definition. And then what happens with that baseline definition is that we can all get around the table, <laughs> a boardroom table, and we're going to talk about how we want to build mentoring in our in our organization. And we have this shared definition and we can go somewhere now um, with that baseline definition instead of um, speaking from our own experience, which is maybe be a fairly narrowed experience or enculturated experience. And I'm going to be way more apt to receive um, the guidance and understanding about mentorship from the people to my left or my right or across the table from me if we have that shared definition. So I'll repeat it. Mentoring is a relational practice in which there's intentional pursuit towards growth and development or transformation or formation. Yeah. You know, as I've spoken with young adults um, and so many people, I mean, primarily my work is with young adults, but I do see the need, you know, in various generations of people, you know, really wanting that mentorship. And mm-hmm. I, I wonder, you know, if in sometimes, you know, they struggle to find a mentor. And I wonder if the complex definition or the competing definitions of mentoring actually uh, freak out people who might be great mentors. Yeah, I think now I've, I've been accused of making mentoring everything (laughs) and it can't be everything or it's nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we make it too hard. Um, And we often fail to recognize that no one mentor is, is perfect. What's perfect is the constellation of mentors that mentors that we'll have around our life. You know, when we, if we get to be really old ladies someday, Haley, I'm mm-hmm. closer to that than you are. Um, can I look, will I be able to look back on my life and see this group, this constellation of mentors? That's what's perfect is the constellation. So we get hung up by the definitions. We get hung up looking for the perfect mentor. We get hung up with thinking mentoring is only in one form. And I, I primarily have worked with young adults myself because of being in higher education and also the type of leaders that I coach now are pretty much um, in the realm of middle management, 30 somethings that are mm-hmm. looking to grow in their profession. And um, they, they often um, have a skewed understanding of what mentoring is. And so when we start looking at all the forms and how the different forms can serve them with the different needs that they might have. And, um, and I categorize those forms as well, then then they, you see, you see them just relax. And I also experience that relaxation when I train mentors because they're coming in thinking, oh, mentoring looks like this. And that word scares people. Right. <laughs> Often when I tell mentees, when they're looking for a mentor, don't maybe not even use the word. <laughs> yeah. I've asked you know, people to word, be my mentor. It overwhelms, it overwhelms people because they think it's somebody that is just this fount of knowledge And that's the biggest mistake we can make is to go look for somebody that's a fount of knowledge. Well, good luck with that. You might find a really smart person in your field, and I hope you do. Um, But what I want the mentee to do is to focus on being a source of learning rather than treating their mentor as this fount of knowledge. Yeah, I have asked people to be my mentor before, and they have said, no, I don't think I can give you anything. Um, And I'm like... I think you can, you know, I mean, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And so I, I often will suggest to people, just ask somebody if they can go to coffee with you one time and tell them you're going to have a set of questions you want to ask them. And then it's been a great hour at the end of the hour, say, can we do this again sometime? 
Yeah. What kind of questions would you come? Finding a a mentor in a very subversive way. And often the person will say, sure, I'd love to have coffee with you again sometime. Yeah. Well, what kind of questions would a person ask? Does it just depend on what kind of mentoring they're looking for, whether that be spiritual or vocational? When you're looking for a mentor, you mean what kind of questions would you ask that person? Yeah, if you were just saying, yeah, hey, come it, to coffee. It really does depend on the form of mentoring. So, But if you're looking for somebody that has a very particular skill set, I call that more of an apprenticeship form of mentoring. Mm-hmm. And so your question should, when you're looking to meet with them, um, to find out if they can help you at all solve the problem or learn more about what you need to learn that they have understanding of, then your questions are going to be, focus towards that end. If you're looking for what I call um, um, a friendship or a companionship type of mentor that's more focused on the whole of your life, um, I'm going to suggest that you focus on asking questions about who they are and who you are and the kind of person you want to grow to be in the whole of who you are. And are they good at asking questions is something I would want to know because that kind of a mentor, I, I categorize that form of mentoring in what I call a balcony mentor. They can get up on the balcony, help you look back down on your life, see the whole of who you are and are just really curious type of people and know the kind of questions to ask that help you draw out what goals you have or what strategies you might want to employ in order to meet those goals. And a good mentor that fits into that category of balcony, if they can't meet those needs, will say, well, who can help you? <laughs> what, who's going to be what I call your ground floor mentor? Your apprentice, apprenticeship fits into that ground floor. That's somebody that's down on the ground with you learning a very particular thing in a very particular dimension of your life. So your occupation, let's say. Got it. Um, when I approach my doctor, I approach, I don't tell them they're my mentor, but I approach them like a mentor to me. And there, it's more ground floor as, as they help me learn how to manage the disease that I have and the questions that I ask. I, I approach them like a mentor to me. Yeah. So yeah. how would you distinguish a mentored versus a unmentored life? Ooh, that is, um, I, let me, let me first suggest <laughs> that um we're all learners we're we're we don't really have a choice but to learn <clears throat> even if we're not being deliberate or intentional about it we're we're all learners um but i do want to suggest that that change is inevitable change is coming at us left and right it's the speed of change has increased over the last 10 20 years and change is inevitable but what's what's not inevitable is growth. Growth is optional. So I think the difference between a mentored life and an unmentored life is that intentional pursuit towards growth. Um, and I want to suggest that a that a, a mentored life, I don't want to necessarily say that it's an examined life, although it is, but it's examined because it's intentional. It's the mentee has decided to get in the driver's seat and I'm, I'm going to suggest that men, living a mentored life requires in, primarily intentionality on the mentee's part. But they're getting in that driver's seat. They're putting their foot on the gas pedal because they can't turn left or right unless they put their foot on the gas pedal. And they're living very intentionally and pursuing growth. So change is inevitable. Growth is optional. Um, change is an unavoidable aspect of life. And growth is really seen as a choice right. or deliberate effort. Um, that can often lead to positive development. So I think growth is not 
um, a huge part of someone who's living an unmentored life because, and here I'm getting to the, to really answer your question is in order for growth to occur, reflections necessary. So change right. is happening. Things are being thrown at you left and right. You're learning a lot, but are you learning what's right? <laughs> are you able to distinguish truth from untruth? And I don't think you can do that until you're in a reflective space. Um, and I love theologians. I'm a, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of a little bit of a theologian myself. I love that. And a good theologian will say that reflection is actually un, um, is not possible outside of relationship. You can't do good theological reflection apart from community. Um, and I think that's true even when, when are you not theologically reflecting, but when, even when, you, when you're just bantering back and forth on an idea that doesn't feel like theological reflection, I don't think you're going to grow without it. Yeah. And it happens in relationship because the many voices are need, needed, the different, different lenses, the various stories, the different angles of looking at a, um, you know, you, you're like me, Haley, you probably curate um, all different kinds of voices on different subjects. Right. You know, mm -hmm. you read broadly, right? We're, we're both, <laughs> as, you know, we, we were taught that way. Um, we read very broadly because we want to get at what's the most reasonable resolution or solution to the situation that we're trying to solve or the problem we're trying to solve. You know, when you're talking about the mentoring relationship, I was thinking about, you know, how a lot of people might hire a personal trainer to help them yeah. in the gym. So yes. I know that... You know, I've been lifting weights since I was 15, you know, so I know my way around the weight room, right? And yet, whenever I've hired a personal trainer, it really ups my performance. Because not only are they giving me feedback of saying, hey, you can do more, you can be better here, you can up the ante, or hey, Haley, you need, you're slacking it off. I mean, <laughs> you can really yeah. bring more to this, you know, this hit workout than, than you're yeah. bringing. I mean, it would be the same in a mentoring relationship where they're saying, where someone is there to say, Hey, here is where you are, you know, you know, where you can step it up or actually where you might need to back off the gas pedal. You know, when yeah. I've had, you know, mentoring relationships before a lot of times that's been my own personal feedback is hey Haley you know what you might want to step off the gas or you're gonna fry your brakes exactly. you're gonna exactly. fry you're gonna fry yourself out yeah um and I'm I'm, I'm gonna suggest in, in the mentoring framework that I teach that your trainer is a form of mentoring to you for your physical life it's a ground floor apprenticeship type of mentoring where he or she is teaching you how to be take better care of your body and how to use it appropriately with the weight lifting and and so yeah and so the different forms of mentoring are going to do exact do a lot of what that form of mentoring suggest did for you as well in the in the gym that's a yeah. great illustration yeah it's, I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, in your teachings, and you just mentioned also about the stories, you know, and how s different stories can help us, you know, imagine different outcomes from our lives, you know, help us set different goals for ourselves. Can you explain a little bit more of what you mean by that? And then what 
may happen if we're like bound by a single story. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I'm so guilty of being bound by a single story. It's very easy to get um, wrapped up in that. Um, I want to suggest that listening to stories in what I call a reflective manner. um, Often what happens is we're we end up being found in the story. But by that, I mean, we were implicated. (laughs) Um, Let me illustrate that when I when I read Luke one, where Gabriel visits Mary. Um, I'm so implicated by that story because Gabriel comes to her and says, you know, calls her favored and um, beloved. And she's wondering what kind of greeting is this? She immediately starts pushing back and then he tells her what's going to happen. And she starts pushing back even more and says and gives an excuse. Well, I'm a virgin. How can this be? And when I read that story, I'm so found in it. And I realize that it's first of all, okay to ask those questions. Um, and second of all, um, okay to have your mind changed. And so that's what I mean by listening to a story really well and and reflecting on it can often help you, um, find yourself in it, be implicated in it and be changed. But listening to just a single story is, can be dangerous. I'm really, I'm really, um, influenced by, um, a novelist. Her name is Shimamanda Ngoche Adichie. And if I can't, if it's okay for me with you, I'd like to just read a short quote from yeah, hers, go ahead. of hers. She says to show one thing to someone over and over again is what they then become. It's impossible to engage properly with a person or a place without engaging with all the stories of that person or a place. The consequence of the single story is that it robs people of dignity. It emphasizes how we're different rather than how we're similar. That's a very interesting angle that she gives. So she says, stories matter. Many stories matter. And while stories can be used to malign, stories can also um, empower and humanize. And I I just want to suggest that that the goal in listening to a lot of stories is to really identify how similar we are to one another rather than how different we are. And, And so in a world where we're trying to, oh, in a world of great disunity, um, where um, I think most of us want to fix that. I think listening to stories help us to find, be implicated in it, to change our mind, to back off, to take your foot off the gas pedal, as you were saying, and to reconsider a different option or um, way of doing something that is better for the, the group of people around the table rather than just for me. Because it isn't can't be just about me. Right. You know, I think that the disunity that we see is in part... Um, you know, fueled by social media where we are interacting with icons and not people and therefore not stories. And, you know, engaging in those stories and really putting yourself in other people's shoes. It's the oldest principle in the book, you know, of listening to another person's story. You know, yes. for me, you know, just, you know, as an aside for me in, in the scriptures, I just showed this in class in a class I'm teaching um, yesterday, um, the chosen where Jesus approaches mm-hmm. the man at the healing pool of Bethesda and asks him, do you want to be well? Oh, that's my favorite passage. I can't and believe you bringing that up. Do that you is, want to get well? That's my, that is the question that God asks me almost every day. Do yes, you want to be well? It's a, it's a powerful, beautiful question. Do you want to be well? 
I mean, want. I mean, it's like because it takes a lot of responsibility. It does. If we, if our answer is yes, I mean, that man's life, his life changed, and he had a lot more responsibility. Mm-hmm. It it did. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I I find myself in that story, and I think about it all the time. Um, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? And I think mentors help us. Um, first of all, to know more stories, but also to listen better to the stories. Um, Brene Brown, I love her. I can't remember which book it is where she says, do you know the story you're telling yourself? Because <laughs> sometimes yes. the story we telling are telling ourselves is just a big old fat lie. Right. And so mentors help us to unravel. If, you know, mentors, the biggest skill they, they need is to learn how to ask good open-ended questions and to listen really well. And that, those are two big skills that I'm still really bad at and still learning how to do. But um, the better we get at that as mentors, the better we're um, helping our students to look at all the different angles and maybe come up with a different story to tell about themselves or about even the people that they're trying to love that are really hard to love. Well, speaking of stories and listen and listening to stories, I am actually listening to a story on Audible right now. Um, my kids always call me Hallmark and Horror Mom. I'm either doing psychological thrillers or Hallmarky <laughs> type stuff. And right now I'm doing like this year I'm trying to commit to just or mostly like light um, breezy novels um, rather you. than <laughs> the psychological yeah. thrillers. Um, <laughs> but I'm listening to this book by Lily Chu and it's called um, uh, The Comeback. And the story hmm. is about a woman who in who is a high-powered lawyer and she is of uh you know Asian descent and she her father has laid all these expectations on her and said you need to be a lawyer you need to make us proud and so she in this story she is starting to reflect on that story that She's been mm. telling herself, I'm supposed to be this lawyer. I'm supposed to make partner. I will work 18-hour days. I will do this. I will do that. And without reflecting, is this really what I'm made for? And the yeah. book is about her reflecting on that story that she's been telling herself and the story that her parents have been telling her. Yeah. Um, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's really caused me some res reflection on you know, as careers turn and, you know, careers make unexpected, you know, departures from what yeah. you may have expected, how how tight do we cling to that story that we've been telling ourselves? Yeah. And how willing are we to let it go? Yeah. And may we both find mentors that help us do that. <laughs> ask those questions yeah because you know we do need a 360 <clears throat> perspective i mean you know even looking in the mirror you know if you look in a physical mirror it's not going to give you the full reflection of who you are in all your dimensions um yeah. we need that outside perspective we do and it's scary to get it because um, sometimes the outside perspective is wrong mm-hmm so it, it takes a lot of discernment and the ability to differentiate from your mentor. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it, it's, it's a risk worth taking. 
Yeah. Living a mentored life is a risk worth taking. Well, so what are some of the common issues that people come to you as a mentor and um, are they ever surprised when other issues come up? <laughs> yeah. Um, I Common issues. I think for me, when people approach me to be their mentor, <clears throat> I think simply because of my personality um, um, in, in rooms they might be in with me, um, I come across as a real intro, extroverted. Um, I listen and I use my eyes. I use my body to listen. And I think when I get approached <clears throat> to be a mentor, which often I can't be because I can only be a mentor to so many people, it's because they really just want to be known. Wow. <clears throat> they want to know and to be known. Um, and so what they're looking for is back to what I said earlier, is that friend or companion in Christ type of mentor, that balcony mentor that's going to listen to them, ask some questions, help them discern whether they should go straight forward or to the left or to the right, or what kind of goals do they have? A mentor that you might have to train them in this, and I do, is that um, you're not a mentor that answers, scratches all their itches and answers all their questions, <laughs> but you help them um, discern maybe who else can help them when they have a need. Um, good balcony mentoring, which is what I'm describing, knows when to defer um, to a, a different form of mentoring. So there's oftentimes, I think, um, that's why someone's approaching me, but that said, um, I've watched ment many, many mentees over the years, hundreds and hundreds of them when I was at Denver seminary teaching in the mentored curriculum there. Um, that's primarily what the students wanted was to be, was to be known, even if they didn't state it that way, that's what I could see. Um, you know, that said, there's there's other reasons for wanting a mentor as well, which is to learn something very specific, to learn a skill, um, to understand something very specific to a particular dimension of your life. Um, and so that would be another reason why someone is approaching me to be a mentor, to teach them something like that. And that that's actually easier mentoring because it's very short lived. There's a there's a more of a beginning and end date <laughs> to that type of mentoring. Um, but yeah, I think, I think people want, um, they, they want to know their own voice. They want to, they want to be heard to the point where they're able to talk. Um, Pollyanna, you know more than you can tell. They need mentors that help them tell. Yeah. Well, Laura, if people want to find out more about, um, your ministry and more about mentoring, where can they find you? Yeah, they can just go to my website. It's a unusual name. I uh, taprootinnovation.com. Um, that's my consulting and coaching website and they can find me there. If they want to take my course on mentoring, they can find it there. It's very clear when they go to the website and they can find um, the mentored course and other courses I'll be creating in the coming year. Awesome. Laura, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Haley. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott. Visit our website at www.christiancurious.com to find more shows and find out more about us. Also, if you missed any part of the show, check us out anywhere you get your podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And as always, stay curious.